Welcome, one and all, to the second episode of Swigcast, the podcast from the same team that brings you the daily swig. I'm John Layden, and this time we're taking a close look at encryption. This sounds a bit like math. Yes, very important mathematics. Encryption has existed in one form or another as long as human beings have had the need to share secrets. So it goes back to the dawn of time. At the beginning, we had pen and paper ciphers. These work by substitution and transposition of letters or, or blocks of letters. Over time, and they got more sophisticated over time, they were eventually replaced by electromechanical devices. Now that included things like the German Enigma machine from World War II. Most people, I'm sure, will have heard of that. And that used a combination of rotor disks and plug boards in order to encrypt and decrypt messages. A few years after that, we had the advent of computers. And alongside that, advances in mathematics that brought public key cryptography. And that's the two technologies that have brought encryption to the masses. Let's have a better example. Why would users need their own Enigma machine? Oh, Catherine, Catherine, users would not need their own Enigma machine. Your own computer can do so much more than the Enigma machine could ever do. What started out as a technology that allowed rulers and armies to communicate with each other, thanks to 2,000 years of development and the computer, thank you, Mr. Alan Turing, we are now, now at the stage where we have a technology that can protect credit card details where you make online purchases, and also the privacy of chat messages when you're talking to your friends and family. It's wonderful. That does sound like important math. Let's see if our general public knows how important encryption is. We decided to take to the streets and ask them what exactly they thought was protecting their online purchases. Do you know what encryption is? I've heard of it. I know WhatsApp has end-to-end encryption, but past that I couldn't tell you really what it is. I'm exactly the same. I, I know WhatsApp is more secure than other apps, but that's about it, really. My granddaughter uses Snapchat because mm. they, they vanish, don't they? And she wanted me to do it, but I said no. I prefer just to speak to people, to be honest, but it's not always possible. It's, it's encoding and then using prime numbers to unencode it, basically. If someone's got their name or address or phone number or whatever, they can't go into that data and find it um, if it's encrypted. I don't really know, to be honest. Sounds like they need to be listening to this podcast. Yes, indeed. And we can help them, because here with us to discuss encryption is noted cryptographer and author Bruce Schneier, the man who's quite literally written the book on the subject. Hello, Bruce. I am ready when you are. So, Bruce, we're speaking on Skype right now. Is this a secure channel to have this conversation? Well, we're doing an interview that's going to be published so (laughs) everybody can listen to it, so none of us care if this is private, right? We're making it public. If we were plotting, you know, to overthrow a government, maybe we'd make a different choice, but I don't know, I'm not worried. And do you think consumers are aware of the choices there are when it comes to secure communication? I don't think so. I think consumers and users in general use what's easy and convenient. And I don't think people think much about phones or texting and 
whether they are private or not. I think that if you're in a country where that, that matters, you think about it more. But in general, no, I don't think people worry about it very much. Following on from that answer, Bruce, I wonder if you can explain to our listeners what end-to-end encryption is and some of the technologies behind it. So end-to-end encryption basically means encryption from your device to the device of the person you're talking to. So for example, if I am using Signal, which is a secure messaging app, the message is encrypted on my phone, sent through the network to the person I'm talking to and decrypted on their phone. So that's end to end. Now this is different from, let's say, when I send uh, a Gmail. I'm likely using an encrypted link between my, my browser and Google where that message is unencrypted and then Google probably uses an encrypted link to send that message to, I'm gonna make this up, uh, Apple Mail, and then that message is decrypted, and then the recipient. When he logs in to his email account, that message will be encrypted again. So that's, that's encrypted, but it's not end-to-end. Now the difference is that for end-to-end encryption, nobody except the sender and the recipient can read the message, right? It's encrypted all the way through. The benefit of end-to-end encryption is that nobody can, can, can read it. Mm-hmm. And whether it is your government, or a rival government, or a cyber criminal, or, or anybody, right? it, it cannot be intercepted in transit. And so when you have your lawmakers talking to each other, you want end-to-end encryption. When you have your nuclear power plant operators talking to each other, you want end-to-end encryption. Right? End-to-end encryption is how we get security and when you think about all the important things happening, all the communications, you really want it because it's, it's important. If you want Google to basically eliminate spam from your email, it can't be end-to-end encrypted. Otherwise, Google can't detect the spam. So yes, there's a lot of trade-offs in end-to-end encryption. We've heard a lot from governments about this trade-off and slowly seeing legislation get passed that seeks to provide backdoor access to secure communication, including Australia's Assistance and Access Act and GCHQ's Ghost Feature Proposal. Are we reaching some kind of breaking point in how we create secure systems? Yeah, so there are proposals. I mean, there are different ways to weaken encryption. In a sense, they don't matter. How you do it is less important than whether you do it. Uh, they are neither better nor worse, they are neither more nor less secure, they're just different. Right? Once you weaken cryptography, and whether you weaken the encryption algorithm, or the key management system, or the update system, doesn't matter. Once you weaken the system, you are less secure. Now the argument from governments is that we want this, that we don't care about this less security because we think it's important to eavesdrop on the bad guys. Now, that's an argument you can make. It, it, they, it, it's, a, it's a kind of argument that doesn't really hold much water, but, but that's it. And you need to make that argument. I mean, governments more likely are making the argument that we, don't, we can get both. We can get security and we can get eavesdropping. Now, as long as they don't believe the trade-off they're making is real, they're not going to make a good trade-off. We can decide as a society, we want less security hmm. because eavesdropping on the bad guys is more important, right? 
So we don't care if you know the Russians are eavesdropping on our election systems. We don't care if the mob is, is eavesdropping on our police. We don't care if uh, you know foreign governments are eavesdropping on our, our government officials. Uh, we don't care about our nuclear power plant security. We don't care about any of that. All we care about right, is being able to listen to the bad guys. And, and, and if someone says that, that, that is a fair argument and we can discuss that. But what you tend to see more of is ignoring the trade-offs. Right? We want to listen to the bad guys full stop and we don't even think about anything else. So you know, I'm not in a position to make the societal trade-offs. I can point out the technical trade-offs that you can't get one without the other. Right? Either everyone gets a spy or nobody gets a spy. And, and once you accept that, then you decide, do you want everybody or nobody? I mean, to me, it's kind of obvious that security is much more important than surveillance. But, you know, maybe that's not true. Are you tired of having this conversation about encryption policy? We've been doing this since the mid-90s. It hasn't changed. The actors change. The argument never changes. I mean, eventually, I think we'll figure it out. I mean, eventually it'll be obvious that our infrastructure is so heavily dependent on internet communications that securing it is paramount and any near-term needs of the police are just secondary to the value of securing our infrastructure. But we're not there yet, so we're still having these arguments. Years ago, email secured using PGP used to be the gold standard for secure messaging. Have we moved on from that, or is that still the case? We've learned about 20 years of trying to implement PGP and email encryption in general is that it's really, really hard to encrypt email. And now what I tell people if they want to have a secure conversation to use an encrypted message program, to use Signal, to use WhatsApp, that they are easier to secure and they are more reliable. And that's really where we've gone. We've kind of gone past email encryption and now we work on securing uh, chat applications. What about wider technology innovations like 5G? How will this impact encryption and security overall? The importance of 5G, which is the next generation of, of cell phone uh, protocols, is not so you can watch faster movies or, or chat with your friends. The importance of 5G is it makes computer-to-computer -computer communications easier. As we move to the Internet of Things, we're going to have more instances where computers are talking to computers directly without us. Right? So not my phone talking to your phone, but you know, my thermostat talking to the power grid, my car talking to some other car. Right? So things talking to things. And that's going to be huge both in, in promise and capability, but it's also a huge security risk. And I don't think we're really having a good conversation about 5G security. You know, encryption's a part of that, but it's a small part of that. There's a lot more to 5G security than encryption. But it really is security of our infrastructure as our infrastructure becomes more computerized. Right? That's what that story is about, and that's why that's so important. Quantum encryption is largely irrelevant to security. Nobody in, in, encryption, nobody in cryptography cares. Right? We, we, we don't have a problem that quantum encryption needs to solve. Right? Our math problems are, are, are well solved. You know, we don't need better math. 
You know, we're worried about things like key escrow, we're worried about things like back doors, we're worried about software security, we're worried about users, we're about hardware, we're worried about supply chain. We're not worried about the algorithms. So, you know, uh, quantum encryption is kind of neat, and, and we all like reading about it, but it's not going to change anything because it doesn't actually matter for anything. All right, so what are some of the innovations that we really need in order to create better security? I, I don't see a lot of need for new cryptographic inventions that we need to make yourself secure. We have all that. We're good there. And the problem is just getting it used, getting it deployed, getting it used securely. Okay, so what are some of the challenges of making end-to-end -end encryption and secure messaging implemented everywhere? Yeah, there's really no business requirement for a lot of security. Right? Most systems are insecure because the market doesn't reward security. The market doesn't demand that systems be secure. We've been talking about governments who are actively working against security. So there's a whole lot of, of, of business reasons why you don't get security when you buy an interconnected thermostat or car or, or refrigerator. It's easily hackable. Because the market doesn't really reward good security. The market at consumer level may not reward good security, but how about the capabilities of law enforcement and intelligence agencies? We keep having the same encryption debate, but is there more going on here in terms of decryption capabilities, for instance? There's a lot going on in terms of government capabilities. I mean, you read in the Mueller report of uh, encrypted messages that were decrypted. Uh, my guess is they got them from uh, the providers. That, in fact, if you have an encrypted chat and you, uh, and you store a copy of it with, uh, with Apple or Google, then it is available. Uh, there's a lot to do in traffic analysis. You know, who people are talking to is incredibly uh, valuable. The encryption grade has gotten more nuanced. It seems like the NSA is more on the side of, of security than surveillance because they realize there's a lot of other ways into systems that encryption can't prevent. I'd like to see the FBI get more sophisticated in how they do forensics and how they do investigations because they don't need to basically make everybody insecure. Just to, uh, just to have the capabilities that there are other ways they can get at it. So I think, yes, we are seeing more, uh, more nuanced debates today, but still, I think the law enforcement has a long way to go before they uh, are comfortable with the security that society needs. Right, so plenty to consider. Now, from a practical point of view, if any of our listeners wants advice on how they can become more secure in how they use you know, their phones and their computers. Where do you recommend that they go for more information? There are several guides on the internet that talk about uh, digital privacy and help you make choices. EFF has one. Uh, there's one from Citizen Lab. There are several others. Find those, read those, and make decisions carefully. That this is not something you, you know, like you ask random advice at a cocktail party. Thanks again to Bruce for his expert thoughts. We really appreciate it. Encryption is a technology at much of the centre of public policy as it is the linchpin of privacy. The debate will rumble on. But for now, we, at least, must leave it there. Until the next time. Adios. Big cast terminated.